Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Okay, so yeah. Um, Stuart's going to get uh, gruesome today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking at this story. Uh, we're sort of jumping in the deep end of classic Old Testament bloodshed. Mm. Um a softer beginning may have been the way to go, but we're going to throw you in the deep end uh, today <laughs> yep. as we continue through uh, through Kings. Yeah, uh, yeah. So picking up uh, from chapter nine, Stu, yeah. of Second Kings, is that right? That's right. Yep. So Thrive Deeper, episode 148, and we're picking up from uh, two Kings, chapter nine. We're probably going to work our way through this, a fair few Kings to work through, particularly in the, in the life of Israel, but probably to the time of Hezekiah. That's yeah. what we'll try and get to yeah. uh, this week anyway. But this is when Jehu uh, becomes king of the northern kingdom in Israel, uh, and he's uh, anointed as king by Elijah in a secret yep. kind of place, given uh, and given the task then to destroy the house of Ahab. Yeah. Um, so it was. Uh, it had been prophesied uh, over Ahab's household that it would, that his, because of, I mean, the, the bloodshed. Yeah. Uh, yeah really that we see under Ahab's rule, you know, uh, Naboth, for example, that whole uh, episode was sort of symptomatic of the kind of rule, Mm. you know, particularly, you know, particularly with Jezebel's uh, influence there. And the Um, institution of Baal is the official religion of Israel. They were just... So, you know, so the prophecy is that, uh, you know, Ahab's line is going to be wiped out. Now, Ahab's, uh, you know, Ahab's... um, uh, son Ahaziah uh, rules, and then his, um, then his son Jehoram. Yes, uh, his other son Jehoram takes over after. Um, so, he's, so uh, Joram or Jehoram is the second son. So you've got you've got two sons of Ahab on the throne after him yes. sequentially. Yep. And then, um, and then Jehu uh, is approached by. Uh, he's anointed by. Uh, one of the prophets at Elijah's instructions go uh, anoint Jehu, and and in fact the only king of the northern kingdom to be anointed. Interesting, isn't it? The only yeah, king yeah. of the northern kingdom. Interesting, to be anointed. and he is, and and he's probably the closest of all of the northern kings. He's the closest one to sort of claiming that he has this zeal for Yahweh. Now, I mean, he 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 doesn't. He falls short because he still. It says about Jehu mm-hmm. that he um, that he still. Uh, went along with the sins of Jeroboam. Now that's partner because we've got to remember that this, the sin of Jeroboam was the setting up of the, the golden calves. calves. That's right. Okay. So the and Jehu's the king of the northern kingdom. Mm. So the pressure there is to have something for the north people in the north, so they don't I go down to, to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, right? Otherwise, yep. they'll defect yep. to Jerusalem. So um, Jehu. And also remember, the golden calves were really, in a sense, breaking the second commandment. That's right. More than the first, because the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Mm. Um, that was Ahab and the setting up of the Baals and so forth. Mm. The golden calves was really meant to be a sort of a familiar representation of Yahweh. So that was kind of breaking the second commandment. Yes. That's why they distinguish between the sin of Jeroboam and all right. the other things, right. you know, because they say, well, okay, he didn't, uh, you know, he turned away from the sins of Ahab, you know, the worship of the Baals and the Asterisks, yep. but he kept, uh, you know, the he, he, he yep. kept the calves. And Jehu actually eliminated Baal again, but but as you say, yeah. that so he claims to, yeah, that's yeah. right. So he claims to have eradicated Baal worship right. uh, in uh, in Israel. 
Um, but but he keeps the golden calves, which are meant to be these depictions of Yahweh. So in his mind, oh, no, no, this is we're worshipping the true God, but we're worshipping in this form. Yes. So yep. for him, he can sort of, uh, he can justify that in his mind. But um, so, so Jehu is the closest, sort of gets the closest that a northern king gets <laughs> to, be, <laughs> to being sort of good. But but he's uh, he's a in a sense chosen because he's a heavy-handed sort of guy. Mm. He's a military commander. A uh, he's a man of blood, yeah, that's right. you know. Yeah. And so he's anointed and told um, that he is to destroy the ha- house of Ahab. He's all too happy to do that, but mm. there's lots of collateral, yes, isn't there? Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, yep. He kills uh, a lot of uh, the household of uh, Ahaziah as well, who's yes. the king in the south. Mm. Um, so... Uh, Ahaziah is killed and a whole lot of uh, um, his family yeah. uh, as well as killed. And pretty gruesomely as well. And in front of everybody, you know, the heads at the gate. and Oh, Jehu know, just goes on a killing spree. Right. This is yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. And and almost is savoring it a bit too much yes. and justify it. Come and see my zeal yeah. for the Lord. And, and it's just over the top. Kind of illustrates that it's possible to do the right thing, but to do it in the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's... He's kind of doing yeah. what he doing was purposed to do. Exactly. And I think, you know, there's a sense of sovereignty in this. I mean, God is wanting to execute judgment, um, but it's the same. It's, it's kind of similar to the way that, um, the, the way that Babylon is spoken of, you know, you know, Babylon is seen as the instrument in, of judgment in the Lord's hand, you right. know, yeah, but, yeah. but then Babylon is still condemned for almost the delight it took and, and its in pride doing, yeah. in doing that, you yeah, know? Right. So in a sense, okay, Jehu is, does, the Lord's work in terms of bringing judgment upon the house of Ahab, but he just enjoys it a bit too much, and he's got a lot of ambition, and it all and, becomes a bit more you know, about the, him. That's right, and the ambition comes uh, comes in when you know, sure, okay, I'll get rid of the bales and the asterisks. That's fine because uh, we're going to get loose of this Phoenician influence yes. through Jezebel. Yeah, that's right. We'll get rid of that. Oh, but I still need the golden calves because I don't want people, people going. going to, to I don't want people going down to the church down the road. Yeah, you know, right. uh, so. Um, yeah, so it's very much a sort of qualified um, uh, qualified success here. I think it's worth l- – let's just pull out for a moment yeah, yeah, because great. the big picture I think is important. And, and, and I know, uh, you know, listeners um, are probably likely to get a little lost in the midst of all of this complexity. So uh, so we're tracking with, you know, the, the kings of the north, the kings of the south, and we're kind of right in the guts of that. But to, to maybe orient us, we're, we're – we're on a fast track now. So um, Jehu is, um, he rules for 28 years up to about 814. Um, now we're, we're within a century, within a hundred years, in biblical terms, that's not long. Uh, we're within a hundred years of the complete destruction. And exile. Of, yeah, it's about 90 years away. Yeah is the uh, complete destruction of the Northern Kingdom. Mm. And what you're going to see here is a trajectory um, of uh, to, you know, towards this. It kind of accelerates, doesn't it, from this point? Yeah, where it really starts yeah that's right. So pick up pace. Here. So Jehu um, in, in the Northern Kingdom, he this is still when Elisha is around. Yes. Okay. Then we get his son, Jehoahaz, rules another um, uh, – he actually is going to have a dynasty of four generations. That's right. Uh, you know, God has said, you're going to have a dynasty of four generations. Now, um, that's not many, but um, uh, 
but still that's significant because none of the other northern kings have had more than you know more than sort of two three yeah, generations right. on the, so yep. he, he you know he gets the most um his uh so we get uh, Jehoahaz Jehoahash yep. Jeroboam the second yep I'm I'm scooting over some stuff here Stu, because I'm trying to get yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm trying to get big picture yep. now the third son the third son after Jehu, Jeroboam the second. This is a period of great prosperity. This is one of those examples mm. where the biblical text doesn't give it much room. He just gets a paragraph, yes, a uh, couple of paragraphs in the Book of Kings. This is a time of great prosperity. Yeah, yeah. he ruled for forty-one years. as so a yeah, one of the longest. That's right in the northern and and kingdom. and long rules do establish an element of stability, political yep. st- stability. This is a time of great prosperity. Because it was a time of great prosperity, they're thinking, ah, hey, we're, we're God's people. Yes. Uh, God is blessing us. How good are we? Mm. But of course, this is the time, and it's at, actually at this time, this is when you start getting the prophecies of uh, Isaiah, um, uh, Amos, yep. Micah, you know, and, and remember, these prophets are speaking so much about injustice. There's mm. so much injustice for all the prosperity. Right. There's a lot of oppression of the poor. The justice yep. systems are all skewed um, uh, in, in favor of the rich. So, yes, there's a lot of prosperity, but there are lots of problems mm. here. Mm. And, of course, this is because they're they're operating just like the nations operate. It's, it, you know, yep. At this point, the northern kingdom is indistinguishable yes. from the other nations. Mm. And... And so they're going to fall with all of the other nations. They're not going to, you know, God's going to treat them like he treats, like he treated the other nations. Fine. If you want to be like that, well, if you want to be just like them, uh, then you'll be given over in to every them. way. Yeah. Exactly. And in every way they yep. were. Um, so. And again, continue with the idolatry, you know, that, you know, that would just continued in, in the, in Israel at that point in time, there was yeah. no sort of sense of moving away from that. So, yeah. So that's you know. the trajectory. So, so you, I'll, I'll, we'll say something about the trajectory in the north, and then yep. we'll say something yeah, about the, the trajectory in the south. Yep. So after Jeroboam, uh, you get this time of prosperity. Mm. As I said, it's the time when you got these great prophets are speaking, but they're not listening. No. So it's interesting to see, given that what we know about all of the prophetic activity, not only the prophetic activity of Elisha and Elisha under Jehu, but then the uh, the real dialing up of prophetic activity, and we have those a lot of the, you know the uh, uh, the prophets like Isaiah, Isaiah and Micah, yeah, and that's right. all those guys. To appear on the scene. Yep. They're not listening to them. So no. what you get, um, Zechariah, who is the last of those four sons, mm. he only rules for six months. Mm. Uh, he's assassinated by Shalom, yep. uh, who rules for one month. Shalom is assassinated by Menahem, a guy called Menahem. Yeah. Now, Menahem rules for 10 years, but he's then assassinated. Uh, uh, sorry, no, his he's son killed. rules. So yep. he does have a son. Yep. Um, I mean, he doesn't live, you know, he doesn't live long. No, that's right. right? He has yep. short life, a 10-year reign. His son, Pekahiah, rules, but he only rules for two years. Then he's assassinated by a guy Pekah. called Pekah. Yep. Pekah um, has a longish rule, 20 years, yep. but he's assassinated then by Hoshea, who rules for nine years. Yes. And it's during this latter period that they're being hounded by uh, Assyria, Assyria. Yep. Uh the kingdom of Assyria, which is coming down from the north, making incursions yes. uh, into the land, and and Hoshea's kingdom is going to be completely northern kingdom is going to be completely wiped out. Yeah, we'll come we'll come back to that. But what I want you and, what what we should note there is 
all of these short rules and it's just chaos. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so it's interesting to note that even though it's the Assyrians that finish them off, what you see here is that what weakened them was the internal strife. Yes, yes. Not the external pressure. That's right. It's the, the these people they crumbled internally, mm. and that's a really important insight of the text. Mm. That it wasn't it wasn't because of the uh, strength of the outside, the strength of the outside of the forces. It was the weakness of, of what was happening yeah, within. Yeah. You know, they're assassinating each other. Mm. There's mm. no stability in this kingdom, and that's because they've abandoned their faith. Yeah, and it's yeah. one of the great. I mean, and and essentially, this is this is their story becomes the story of all these other great kingdoms. Yes. You know, the kingdom of Assyria itself, uh, you know, f- uh, fell to, to, to a rebellious region, Babylon. Mm. You know, the Babylonians fell to the Persians. The Persians fell to the Greeks. Yep. All of these kingdoms that rise and fall. And in just about every case, mm. uh, well, no, in every case, it actually, the problems actually are due to internal yeah. strife, yeah. you know. And often with these things, they tried to buy their way at, into peace. So when these yeah. nations are coming, they're selling up and paying huge tributes and yeah. just trying to, and rather than relying on God yeah. uh, and God's promises, yeah, it's that's like, right. no, no, we're going to do this in our own way because yeah. we're not sure we can, you know, trust God in this. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Crazy. And so, um, so I think that's a really important message come from us is the lack of that internal mm. – I mean, such a yep. message for yep. us in that, Stuart's, yeah. you know, that's, that so much depends on our – even thinking individually, our internal stability mm. – mm. Actually, you can you can handle a lot of external pressure because we often think, oh, we've got to deal with all the external stuff, which is what they're constantly trying to do. And they've all got different ideas about how to do that. And so they're all arguing over that and they're, they're one's assassinating another and I'm going to be the ruler and now I'm going to be the ruler. Uh, this inner turmoil just destroys uh, yeah. destroys the nation. In, yeah. I mean, it's inner turmoil that destroys people's, you know, that destroys our lives. It's it's that absence of a right orbit, as yeah, I'll put it. Right. And essentially, a great way to, in a sense, picture what true worship is is to picture it as a kind of right orbit, mm. you know, um, and and when we have a right orbit, it's like the Earth orbiting the Sun. We it's it provides the conditions for life. Yes, but it's yeah. like what they've, uh, what they did here is they cut themselves off from their orbit. Right, and and everything, it, all the stability gets lost mm. because of this loss of orbit. Mm. Now things aren't perfect. Let's go to the north. Things aren't perfect in the north. Um, uh, sorry, in the south. Yes, uh, things aren't perfect in the south down in Jerusalem. After Jehoshaphat, you've got uh, three. Kings, uh, Jehoram, who rules for eight years, Ahaziah only for one year. Mm. Uh, After that, you've got this um, Ataliah. Who's not even. Who thinks. Yeah. I'm going to – because that's uh, Ahaziah's mother. Yes. Uh, After Ahaziah dies, she thinks, well, I'm going to take over now. So she kills off the royal family. So this is a moment of of turmoil. You've had two kings in a row who have been these ungodly kings – and of course, you start to get. This is the interesting thing about the story. You start to get the same kind of chaos yeah, here, yeah. because she's killing off. Because it looks like, from a from a literary point of view, uh, in terms of the flow of the story, wow, this is a real threat to the Davidic promise. Right. The promise of the Davidic dynasty. Yeah, this is the line of Christ at. Yeah. You know, that promise to David that you will have a descendant forever mm. on the throne. Mm. Mm. This is now under threat mm. as when Ahaziah dies and his mother wants to take over, mm. she's going to kill off the rest of the royal family. Mm. 
And definitely not in the Davidic line, that's for sure. No, that's right. <laughs> so that, kind of a bit of an anomaly right that's there right. in the whole line of everything. So she's yep. suddenly, you know, she's taking over. Mm. And, and tries to eliminate everybody else who could challenge that. Yeah, that's right. Um, thankfully, there's a priest. Yeah, that's right. Who, um, but of course, there's a survivor. This yes. is the, you know, there's this uh, that gets hidden away in the temple. Even there's yeah. a sim- symbolism to that. Yeah. The godly priest, uh, Jehoiada, mm. hides this young kid, Joash, away mm. in the temple. When he comes of age, uh, he is revealed to the people mm. and they, you know, come out in support, unanimous support. Uh, Adelai hasn't been popular. Mm. You see, there's enough, there's enough kind of faith and loyalty to the Davidic line in the northern. There's enough stability, even though there's been, you know, due to uh, Jehoshaphat. In the southern. Sorry, in the southern kingdom. um, There's enough stability there that there's still this loyalty to the Davidic line. And so uh, Joash is put on the throne. Now, jo- now, Joash was just an infant when he was hidden and only yeah. seven years old. That's right, yeah. And so Jehoiada continues to play a pretty important role yeah. in, in a sense. The high guiding. priest, yeah. Exactly. So Jehoiada guide, guides him. It's when, it's when Jehoiada dies it and Joash comes of age that he, right. he yeah. loses the plot because yeah. he's uh, – Jehoiada, you know, it's really about influence. Jehoiada is his major influence up yep. to that point. But when Jehoiada dies, it's his officials mm. um, who are the major influence – they're probably the officials that served under, you know, Jehoram and Ahaziah, yeah. and so and Jehoiada again made the effort. He pulled down the, you know, tore down the temple to Baal, and and yeah, yeah, that's um, right. Know, he, yeah, he he did a lot to try to draw back, um, you know, yeah. the people from where they were. But uh, again, once Joash, as you say, once Jehoiada yeah. died, Joash kind of, you know, reverted back really um, to the high places, and yeah. and uh, things started to go. So you get and and just trying to think in general patterns here. So. There's always this this comparison with the north and the south. Mm-hmm. And okay, mm-hmm. things aren't th- – there's always this chaos threatening, this chaos that we see – sorry, this chaos that we see in the north. I'm that's, getting my north and south. Okay. Do you know why I am? Because in the text, they always talk about up to Jerusalem. Yes, yes. Because it's – you know, so <laughs> – It's a high place. Yeah. So I keep thinking up, you know, yeah, yeah. anyway – that's I'm, I'm getting actually I think that's a really good point because they talk about high places a lot here yeah and I think it's important to understand that God only appointed one high place for sacrifice which yeah. was in Jerusalem so yeah. when they keep saying they continued with sacrifices on the high places you kind of go yeah. so what's the problem with that well because God had said yeah. this is the only place and the whole point was it's it was meant to be centralized it was that's meant right. to be a central yeah. place where, where they were to you yeah. know find their common identity yeah. Yeah. anyway so in terms of general patterns so in the north you've got this pattern of demise, chaos yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the northern kingdom of Israel that leads to the destruction in, mm. it's in 722 mm. uh, when the Assyrians come in. This is threatening. This chaos is threatening. So you see this under Adaliah, it's yeah, threatening. Yeah. And then you get these three kings, Joash, Amaziah, um, and then uh, Uzziah. So 40-year reign, Joash, Amaziah, 29 years, Uzziah, 52 years. Mm. This It's much more stability yeah. uh, here in the southern kingdom of Judah. Hmm. But you also get this feature, this kind of Solomon feature, where they start well, and then towards the end, it goes wrong. And this is partly because in that much time, they become quite prosperous. Uh, It's like they start well, but they lose the plot later on. It's a very sad trajectory. It's the trajectory of Judah overall. Mm -hmm. We see that Mm. um, preempted by the life of Solomon, the very sad story of Solomon who begins well, and gradually loses the plot. Mm. Uh, well, you see this with these three kings, Joash, um, Amaziah, and, and Uzziah. Um, 
uh, then you get uh, then you get this king uh, this king Jotham and he's a good guy and next next session we'll talk a bit more about Ahaz I think yes. Stu yeah absolutely uh, there's a bit to, so Ahaz is a really bad guy mm. you know he's probably the worst uh, well he's the second worst after Manasseh um, yes that, that we'll talk about so in, far in, then <laughs> yeah in the southern kingdom of yes. Judah but so far yeah. uh, he'll be he'll be the worst um, let's talk about let's go. Uh, up north to the northern kingdom, and um, there's a interest, really interesting point in chapter 17, where the writer pauses. So the northern kingdom gets completely destroyed by yeah. the Assyrians. They come and just wipe it out. Now the interesting thing, it was the same campaign when they went to Jerusalem. Because on the same campaign they went to Jerusalem as well. Yes. But Jerusalem was delivered, yes. and the northern kingdom wasn't. This is this comparison again. Yeah. So, when Hoshea uh, was ruling, you've got Hezekiah in the in Jerusalem. Mm. Uh, after they destroy Israel, they obviously, you know, they go to Jerusalem and they're going to destroy Jerusalem. But Jerusalem is delivered by this amazing act of God. Mm. Now, the implic, imp, you know, the imp, what's implied there. Mm is that the the northern kingdom could have been saved as well. Yes. Right, but they didn't rely on God. Yeah. And so you get this summing up uh, of this, you know, the uh, kind of the tree is trimmed down to just Judah uh, in the south. Judah and Benjamin, because Benjamin's absorbed. Yes. Uh, the tribe of Benjamin is absorbed into Judah. The tribe of Simeon, by the way, is sort of all scattered all over the place a mm. bit. But... Um, but it's they're going to be Judah or the Jews. That's they are going to be, now become the remnant. Yes. So, in a sense, this is the you know really drastic pruning yeah. of the tree yeah. of of the people of God essentially. Yeah. And so they're scattered. What ha- happens is that the Assyrians came in, they conquered Samaria, they laid siege to it, yep. uh, they completely destroyed it, they carried off the surviving people, uh, and they scattered them throughout their you know the lands of the east. Yep. The idea was is that they'll just assimilate That's there. Right. Now, again, the same thing is going to happen to Judah, but Judah will survive that. Judah won't assimilate, and so they are actually that they later on are going to survive exile. Mm. Uh, but right. what you're never going to hear from the Is- Israelites, the Northern Kingdom people, again, again because yeah. they they you know they they're lost really among the nations, and in a sense, the gathering in of the nations is is in mm. a sense the fulfilment of the gathering in of yeah. uh, of the northern yeah. tribes because they just become the nations. Yeah. So and then the area is resettled. So what they'll what the Assyrians will do is they'll resettle the area uh, with people from their empire, and that's yes. the way of trying to keep. Uh, so so there are some there are some people remaining, mm. but they're going to intermarry and they're going to create this group of people called the Samaritans. Yes. We're going to be hated yes. uh, by the Jews because they're, you know, a bit of a mixed race of Syrians. And, and they were the northern kingdom. And, yeah, know, yeah, yeah anyway, that's so. right. So, But chapter 17 is a really great summary of everything that went yeah. wrong, really, in the, yeah, the northern that's kingdom, right. in, in Israel. And, and, it, it's, and it stops to really mm. uh, state the message. You yeah, know, it's, yeah. it's, they, this happened because. not because they were political. It, yeah. it wasn't about how strong the Assyrians were because we see in this, at Jerusalem – 
you know, they were vastly outnumbered under a great siege and God delivered them there, right? This is because they worshipped idols. That's right. This is because they turned away from this, because they didn't listen to God. Mm. And it says here, God came to them again and again and again. He pleaded with them. He Mm. spoke to them, Mm. uh, but they consistently rejected them. And so uh, he gave them over to the hands of their plunderers Mm. in uh, 17 verse 20 Mm. uh, until he thrust them. It's a very sad statement. It says, therefore, the Lord rejected all the people of Israel. He afflicted them and gave them into the hands of plunderers until he thrust them from his presence. Yeah. Um, he, he is, uh, this is God's response to their rejection of him. Yes. Yep. Literally hundreds of years he's pleading with them to come back, you know, and yet this consistent rejection uh, causes this to happen. Yeah. And it's a very sad ending to the and, story. And this is being written at the time when they're in exile already. So this is this. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So this is reflecting back on, you know, telling yeah. the story of how they got where they are. Well, what uh, happened in well it's, the, it's the, yeah, the story is written during Judah's exile. That's right. So it's, they're reflecting oh, on the exile of the, Israel. That, oh, actually, so this, what we're suffering now actually was Happened. suffered by the northern tribes. Right. And and so this, it's interesting, this summary in chapter 17, 17 mm-hmm. is really a message to the Jews in exile. Yes, that's right. Because now they're in exile and they need to face what they've done. Mm-hmm. And if they do and they come back to God, then they'll be delivered from the exile. That was the promise uh, yeah. of Jeremiah. Yeah. And they did. Yes, that's right. They, they heeded this lesson. Mm. Uh, they heeded this lesson and they turned back. Um and I think, you know, I think this is, it's, it's really worth pausing on chapter 17 yeah. and just reflecting how hundreds of years of resistance built up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and how persistent God was in trying to get through to them. Um, it, it just, you know, I think it's a sobering message. God is always speaking to us. It's, I, th- I feel like we invest so much in feeling like, oh, we're right, you know, I'm yep. right. but actually there's so much more to gain by realizing that when you're actually in the wrong. Yes. That's, this is what, you know, this is what, you know, God through his prophets was looking for. Just, mm. just admit mm. that you've got it wrong. Just mm. turn back to me. Mm. And, uh, but they, you know, th- their consistent refusal. Uh, to the, do that. And the biggest theme all the way through chapter 17, really, as they reflect on this, is the fact that they just didn't, they just continued to worship idols. I mean, that was yeah. the biggest thing. And even though there was some obedience, partial obedience yeah. is actually disobedience. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, you can't, yeah. well, I got 80% of it right. You know, no, yeah. no, no. You know, that God's yeah. a jealous God. And, and essentially, and, what, what they really did, you know, the, the nature of this idolatry, see, in their minds, mm. they're just adding. Yahweh to all the other gods. That's right, syncretism. But often, you know, often that they are, mm. um, they are really going to the other gods first, and I mean, it, they're mixing it all together. And I just think that's something that we always need to be reminded of. Yes, yeah. you know that this is uh, that that you know who who is who is the one that we're ultimately trusting in. Mm. You know who is the one that we go to first. Mm. You know who is the one that really sets the agenda for our lives? Because it's so, it's so easy, you know, to get all of these influences from the world around us, and God gets what is left. Yeah. The question we know, I think, we need to ask ourselves in a lot of this message in chapter seventeen, is who really is our God? Who really is the major influence? Mm-hmm. Who is really our number one? Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. 
Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. Thank you.